This is an exciting day for our church. This is a day for us to honor and glorify the Lord in the commissioning of our new lead pastor. That was a big response. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> In our study of Deuteronomy, we've seen Moses repeatedly telling the people of Israel, remember the faithfulness of the Lord. So let's you and I remember how God faithfully brought us to this moment. Several months ago, <clears throat> our senior pastor, Mark McGrath, needed to resign due to his health. If you remember, Mark had been battling discomfort and pain in his vocal cords for over a year, and it was getting worse. The elders explored some options with Mark. We talked about a medical leave, sabbatical, other things, but ultimately, Mark and Terry felt certain that the Lord was telling them that it was better for the church, it's best for the church, and, and right for them to resign. The timing the timing of Mark's resignation was interesting. It was fascinating, actually, because Pastor Drew had just moved his family across the country to be our new associate pastor under Mark. Drew had only been here a few weeks when Mark announced that he needed to step down. So what did this mean? What did this mean? It meant we were right where we needed to be. We were in God's hands. He's in charge. And his timing is always perfect, even when to us sometimes his timing looks less than perfect. The elders met together for prayer. One of the cool things we did a few times is we connected with video to, with Pastor Chris and our, his leadership team and our church plant in Heath, Texas. So we were separated by 1,400 miles, but face to face, we felt like we were in the same room as we prayed together and we sought the leading of the Lord together. And Dave Rondeau joined our meetings. Dave is one of our trustees. And his counsel and his commitment to obey God's word and his devotion to prayer blessed us week after week, month after month. Now remember, Pastor Drew had just come to us after a nationwide search this meant that we had a successful, we had a tried and true process that we could use to go find a lead pastor this time. So we were preparing to start that process when the Lord put it on our hearts to pause, to hold off looking for a new pastor until we got to know Drew a little better. Okay? Please understand this. Please understand we were not thinking at that time that Drew would be our new lead pastor. We were not thinking that, and Drew was not thinking that either. We were not trying to avoid a pastor search. We were confident that the Lord would bless our search for a lead pastor just like he blessed our search for an associate pastor. We were not looking at Drew as a simple or convenient solution. We just felt the Lord telling us to take some time to better know Drew, so we did. We met with Drew every week for prayer and uh, deep discussions about Drew's sense of what God was calling him to do. We discussed his prayer life, his family life, his strengths, his weaknesses, and much more. So while we were grilling Drew, I mean evaluating Drew, 
God did something great. God worked it out for Drew to fill in as our lead pastor for a few months. So the elders, the staff, the ministry leaders, and all the servants could see Drew's leadership in action. We also got to hear, we all got to hear Drew preach the word of God. So we could all hear Drew's heart for the Lord and his love for God's word and his love for God's church. And then we asked you to share your thoughts about Drew and you all did that too. So through this God-led process, the Lord made two things very clear to us. One, the Lord let us know that he sent Drew to us not to be our new associate pastor, but to be our new lead pastor. And number two, everyone likes Carrie more than Drew. <laughs> that got a bigger response. Brothers and sisters, God is so faithful. We can trust him in every situation we face in our private lives and in our church. Our Lord is a prayer hearing and prayer answering God. Let's always remember this day. Let's use this day to build our faith, to love the Lord more, obey him more, and trust him more in our journey ahead. We have some special guests today who have a few words to share with us. First, Pastor Chris Dubose from our church plant in Heath, Texas. Hello, Pastor Drew, and hello, TRCC Anaheim. This is Pastor Chris from TRCC Heath in Texas, and I'm excited about the next season in the life of your church. God is so faithful to provide, and he has provided a new shepherd for you guys. And I am so excited that that shepherd is Drew Hunsley. He has been a man of faith, integrity, character, and it has been a joy to get to know him, to do ministry with him, even from afar. I'm excited about the ways that he has already been leading you, and I'm excited about the ways that he's going to continue to lead you. Drew, I just want to encourage you and challenge you. Remain in Christ. Abide in the Lord. Be a man of faith. Be a man of strength and courage. Be a man of the word and be a man of prayer. Lead people when they don't want to be led. Love them when they seemingly are unlovable. Take people where they don't know they need to go and be the shepherd in the shadow of the great shepherd. Love you, brother. Praying for you. Praying for you, church. And can't wait to see what God has next. Adios. Adios, he said. <laughs> Probably we're all going to recognize this next shepherd because he so well led our church from 2015 to 2019. Mark McGrath. Hello, church. Words cannot express just how much we miss you and look forward to seeing you again soon. Perhaps the only thing that exceeds our missing you is our excitement for the Lord's choice of Pastor Drew to lead this amazing church. Terry and I absolutely adore this man, this couple, uh, and this family. We feel so fortunate just to know them to be friends with them, to serve them, and now to be led by them. I truly believe that we will mark this day as one of the greatest days in the history of our church. It is a date that I will always, we will always remember and praise the Lord for. Pastor Drew and Carrie, the Lord has designed you for this. Your amazing leadership, Drew, flows from your incredible submission to Jesus Christ. I can't wait to learn from you, to serve you, um, and to worship with you soon. 
What a privilege to be part of your lives and to have you be a part of ours. You are and forever will be in our prayers. We are so excited. Thank you. If you've been part of our church for more than four years, or if you were here the weekend before the Christmas Eve service, then you know I always get choked up with him. <coughs> I miss him. You know our founding pastor, our beloved John Warehouse. Hi, everyone. Well, I just had the wonderful privilege a while ago to be with you all and got to see a lot of wonderful friends and, and people that I love so much and, and also met some new people. Foremost amongst that was I met Pastor Drew and his beautiful wife and their kids. And Pastor Drew, I, I want to say to you, actually I don't, I want the Bible to speak to you. I want to tell you the blessings that you're going to have. And what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Solomon is saying, listen, he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, verse 2, here's the key, preach the word. Preach the word, Drew. It says to you to be ready in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. I pray you'll bless the church. Church, I pray you'll be a blessing to Drew. God bless you all. Love you so much. So, Pastor Drew, I did not make a video, but I do want to say this to you. Jeremiah 3.15, the Lord says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Drew, I believe you have the heart of a true shepherd. Your love for Jesus is your greatest asset, second only to your love for your family, including God's family. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you in the journey ahead. You please come on up. Pastor Drew. Oh. You guys sit down. We've got more important things to do than you guys clap for a, a man. So <clears throat> I am... Uh, I am humbled and thankful to have the opportunity to share a little bit with you guys about what this process has looked like. I feel like there's, there's a whole lot of things that God has been doing in uh, the background in my life and in the life of my family and in uh, the conversations that I've had with the elders. And uh, I just wanted to take a little bit of time this evening and share with you guys some of the incredible story of what God has been doing. So, uh, that's kind of my, my hope and my prayer in the little bit of time that I've got is uh, just to share with you guys how God has been faithful. This isn't about me. This isn't about uh, really even our church or about us. This is about the Lord. This is about how the Lord has been faithful. This is about how the Lord uh, is, is committed to His church and to doing what's best for Him, for His name, for the glory of His renown in the world. So as we I get to take a little bit of time this evening. I just want to share a, a brief testimony of how God's been working to bring us to this point. So I feel like there's, there's some of my story that you guys don't really know. I just kind of blazed in a few months ago and 
uh, I didn't get to share a whole lot with some of you guys. So uh, just real briefly, a testimony of how God's been uh, working in my life and using me and, and using Carrie and I over the past several years. I've been working in ministry for 11 to 12 years now. And about 12 years ago, uh, when God was calling me into ministry, I had a very clear picture of what that looked like, and it was not this. Uh, I grew up in an incredible youth group and had an incredible youth pastor, and uh, so as God was calling me to ministry, uh, the thing that I knew absolutely, I knew for sure that God wanted me to do was to give my life away so that other people might know him better. And that seems really simple, but that was kind of what I knew, and uh, one of the most important things to me in that season, in that time, and, and really in my life of ministry up to this point, has been seeing young people have the opportunity to know the Lord and to follow the Lord like I did. So that meant that for the most part, my focus during my time in ministry was on children. It was on teenagers, on students, on families. It was on investing in parents so that they might be able to lead their children, kind of like we talked about in Deuteronomy a few weeks ago as, as we talked about parents instructing their children. So over 10, 11, 12 years, that's been my focus. That's been the thing that, that I believed was, was the most important thing. You'll hear statistics say that anywhere between 70 and 90% of people that are following Christ as adults made that decision to follow him before they turned 18. It's incredible how important children's ministry and youth ministry and family ministry are to the success of a church. And so for me, I felt like that was it. I felt like that was what God had called me to and, and God wanted from me, and I had no interest in doing anything else. It was incredibly important to me. But over the past couple of years, uh, I've had some opportunities to do some different things. When you work in a small church, you don't get to just do one thing, right? You get to do a little bit of everything. If there's something that needs to be done, well, everybody jumps on board and, and everybody helps out. And so my first church that I worked in, I've worked in three different churches over the last 12 years. And the first church that I worked in, I was pretty much able to just focus on children and youth. But the second church, and then especially at the third church, I've had opportunities as an associate pastor to do a little bit of everything. And that means having opportunities to fill the pulpit and preach from time to time. That uh, began to happen more regularly, and God started to develop a desire to do that more in me. Once I got a few opportunities to do it, you know, once the, 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 the terrifying fear of standing up here in front of people and speaking uh, that I suspect many of you might have if I invited you up here to do the same thing, <clears throat> once I, I fought that off a little bit, I really enjoyed having the opportunity to stand up and to, to declare what God has said. It's such an important job to stand up in front of people and to say, this is what God has for you to hear today. And so as I had opportunities to do that as an associate pastor, when the pastor would go away on vacation or would have a passage that uh, he wanted someone else to preach or uh, would just give me an opportunity, I loved having those opportunities. At my last church, especially over the last few years, uh, working with youth and children as well, but I had opportunities in that associate pastor role to, to begin to start to put my hands into other aspects of, of church life. And so I had opportunities to help lead in uh, some leader development. 
had opportunities to step in and to help out with the adult discipleship programs of our church, with the missions efforts of our church, with all kinds of different things. And as I started doing those things, it started to become clear to me and and to my wife, Carrie, as well, that I really enjoyed some of those other aspects of ministry. And so we started to have conversations about, God, is there something else? Is there something else that you're calling us to? What is it that you're calling us to? And as we were having those conversations, and I thought we were doing a pretty good job of keeping it to ourselves, uh, little known to me, uh, a few months, six months, however long it was, after uh, we started having those conversations, my pastor came to me and said, Drew, there's something going on. You're fighting with God, aren't you? There's something going on inside of you. I can see that when you get other opportunities to, to do ministry in other areas, God's, God's putting a special blessing on that. And, and God's doing something in you where he felt like it was time for us to start to look for, God, what do you have next? And we were already starting to wrestle with, God, what do you have for us next? And so uh, in, in us wrestling with the Lord and in uh, Greg coming alongside of us and saying that he saw that same thing that we were experiencing, that we were feeling, we said, all right, God, we'll start to look. We'll start to, to just be open to whatever it is that God has for us. And so God made it clear that we were going to be uh, leaving uh, the church that we were at in Virginia, leaving the position that I had been working in for 10, 11, 12 years, working uh, primarily with families, and look for something different. We had no idea what that was, so Carrie and I started to have conversations about that. And there's two things that we kind of landed on, and you guys are going to laugh at us about those two things. The first one is Carrie uh, loves her family and is very close to her family, and so her stipulation was that we would stay close to family. She wanted to stay uh, close by. Her mom uh, just moved from North Carolina back to Roanoke, Virginia, where we were living uh, not long before we decided to move to California. So her stipulation was we had to send the resume to the church down the street, to the church around the corner, to the church an hour away. We we were going to stay close by. And my expectation, my stipulation that I put on the Lord was that you guys may not know this about me, but uh, naturally I'm kind of an introverted person. I like the quiet. I like to, uh, when I have opportunities to kind of recharge myself, that's not with a crowd full of people that's sitting by myself in the quiet, which doesn't happen a whole lot at our house right now, but uh, it's out on a golf course, it's uh, driving around in my car, it's, it's going and finding somewhere to just sit down with a book. So my stipulation for the Lord was, I want to work somewhere in the background. I want to look for something that, that I could serve a, a role in ministry, but it was going to be something that I could do quietly and, and something that I could do in the background where I wasn't out in front of everybody all the time. I could just serve. And so Carrie said we were going to be close to Virginia, and I said I was going to work quietly in the background. So so we kind of told God what we were going to do. And we went out, we set out to find, all right, God, where is that? What does that look like? What position is that? What church is that at? Where are we going to be? What city are we going to move to? All of those things. And so as we did all of those things, we obviously were beating our heads against the wall because I don't know if you've learned this or not, but telling God what you're going to do doesn't usually work out real well. 
God, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. Don't do that. Because if you ever say, God, I'm going to do this and not that, you know what you're going to do? Somebody a long time ago told me, don't ever tell God you won't be a missionary to the woods in Africa because you know where you're going to go next, right? So we searched for months looking for a position that fit within our pretty little plan. And I searched and searched and spent a lot of time answering questions for churches, talking to churches, looking for what God had for us. And one night I stumbled upon the job posting that The Rock had posted. And it was in California, and I chuckled a little bit. And by that point in our search, I had kind of decided inside of myself that I was going to apply for churches that I thought I had a good shot of getting a job with. I didn't want to apply to the really big churches because they had told me no a bunch. And I didn't want to apply to uh, this type of a position because they had told me no a bunch. And so I, I kind of picked out, all right, this is, this is the churches that are going to be interested in me, so I'm just going to save my time and not send stuff to everybody else. So I was, I was incredibly close to just moving on past the rock listing. Oh, a church in Orange County, California would have no interest in a guy like me from Virginia. My silly accent that you guys all hear, even though I don't hear it. But it was on a website that I had put all my information in and saved everything in, and all I had to do was there was a little apply here button at the bottom of the page. I said, eh, what's it going to hurt? And I clicked it, and I moved on, and I didn't think anything else of it. For weeks and, and weeks after that had happened, Carrie and I continued to wrestle and continue to fight with the Lord and, and came to a place somewhere right around this same time where we said, God, obviously what we want and our control and our expectations for what's supposed to happen. God, I don't know what you're doing. But we just kind of laid our hands open. Said, God, whatever it is, wherever it is, whatever this looks like, it's yours. There was a a situation as well at home that I had really been wrestling with and, and struggling and holding on to and and I knew what exactly what I needed to do, and I knew what was comfortable for me, and I, I had my plans all figured out, and God broke me of that as well, right around the same time. And the day that I finally surrendered to the Lord and said, God, it's yours, and I was obedient to the Lord, to what he was telling me, he kept putting his finger on me saying, Drew, you need to be obedient. Drew, you need to be obedient. Drew, you need to be obe- obedient with this relationship that I had with a friend back in Virginia. The day that I was finally obedient to the Lord, you know what happened? Spent the afternoon dealing with that situation. I came home, and within 30 minutes of me getting home, Mark McGrath called. Called and said that they had received, you guys had received my information and uh, wanted to, to have some conversations. And so we started having conversations, and we had several conversations. And uh, throughout all of this, Uh, my wife was all kinds of tied up in knots because you remember her stipulation was we're not moving far away from from home. We're not moving to California. All right, we'll go out there and talk to them. It'll be a really cool paid vacation that they'll invite us to come out and we'll see the West Coast. And so we, we came out and we interviewed and we talked with a whole bunch of people and we got an extra day out of it where we got to drive up to Hollywood and see all the things. And we still didn't have a whole lot of expectations for 
ending up here. But God was kind of laughing at us, I think, as we had our expectations of what this was all going to look like. God chuckled. And my prayer was, God, make it clear. God, make it clear. God, any of the hurdles, any of the barriers, any of the things that we had erected, make it clear. And slowly, the people that had said, I don't think this is right, started to say, hey, guys, I think this is right. I think this is what you need to do. I think you need to be obedient in this, even though it's scary, even though it's difficult. Carrie was, was very hesitant. I'm going to sell you out. Carrie was very hesitant to move all the way across the country. And there was a week, a week and a half where we knew there was a very serious possibility of moving out here. And her answer was no. I, said, I told her that if we were going to move out here, that God was going to tell both of us. And he was going to tell us both clearly and there was going to be no question in our minds. Her answer was no. Her answer was no. And there was a night where she was talking to her sister and she kind of laid out all the things that we've been talking about and we've been wrestling with and she told Katie everything. And her sister, a wise, wonderful person that God put into her life, said, it sounds like you're just scared. Carrie said, oh, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. There's not a good reason why we're not going to go. I'm just scared. Well, is, is fear a good reason not to do something? No, was Carrie's response. And so he stepped out in faith. We came here for a position that we thought we knew what that looked like. And as Pastor Dave kind of shared earlier, God, again, continued to chuckle at us because I thought I was moving here for a position where I got to work quietly in the background. And that's not what God had in store for us. So God, thing after thing after thing after thing, we searched We wrestled, we fought, but here we are. Here we are, faithful to just hold our hands open and to say, God, if there's something that you want to put into our hands, put it into our hands. If there's a responsibility that you want to give us, God, we're willing to take it. If there's something that you want to take from us, like comfort, like being close to our family, like what... I thought my perfect little job was that I had kind of built in my head over the last year, year and a half. God, take it. It's yours. As Pastor Mark resigned and we started to see the the lack of clarity, what was going to happen here in the future, we continued to wrestle. We continued to fight the same fight that we had been fighting before with, well, we're not moving to California. I'll tell you guys. Time after time after time. If we trust the Lord, He's faithful every single step of the way. Every single step that that we have to take. If we will just trust the Lord in the next step, God will make that clear. Proverbs 16.9 is a verse that I've loved for years, but uh, God has made that even more clear recently. It says, The mind of a man plans his way but the Lord determines his steps. We thought we had it all planned out, all figured out. But God doesn't say he'll give us the whole route and we get to figure out how we want to get there. God sets our steps. 
God doesn't always give us the whole plan. He just tells us, do this. Abraham has been a hero of mine throughout this entire process because Abraham didn't get the whole plan. God told Abraham that he was going to become a mighty nation, that his descendants would become a mighty nation, that the world would be blessed through his family, but he didn't have a child. So he thought he figured out what that looked like and how that was going to happen, and that wasn't it. I'll have a child with, with my wife's handmaid. That wasn't it. Okay, so, so Sarah finally got pregnant. Okay, well, now we know what it's going to look like, and God says, okay, now go up the mountain and sacrifice your son. Okay. God, Abraham was faithful again to just trust God, and God proved himself faithful. Time after time after time, God told Abraham to, to go to the land that I'll show you. At least God gave us more than go to the land that I'll show you when we got in the truck and left Virginia. I don't know if you guys are familiar or not, but Virginia is very far away from California. But at least, I, I, I wasn't sure if you guys know where Virginia is, so I put a map up, I put a star. There's a lot of states between Virginia and California that God could have called us to. But you know what? God was gracious enough to say, go to the land that I'm going to show you. Throughout the entire process, God has been faithful and God will continue to be faithful. So while you may have a lot more questions, this has been a really brief story. You may have a lot of unknowns still. You may have a lot of curiosity about how we've gotten really from from where this whole process started to where we are today. I tell you that we don't have time for them tonight. But I want to tell you that uh, we have a family meeting that we have scheduled. I've talked with our elders. And we've got a family meeting scheduled for February the 23rd. Sunday, February 23rd at 1230. So after our 11 o'clock worship service finishes and anybody that wants to go home or, or go grab more breakfast or whatever has an opportunity to leave. And everybody has an opportunity to come back in here. We're going to sit and we're going to talk. We're going to share some more of the story of how our church is structured, about how we have come to this decision and how we come to other decisions, about how we uh, function as an elder-led church and what this all looks like. We're going to try to peel back some of the, the curiosity that I think exists and just clearly as we can lay out where we believe God is taking us as a church. This is a very interesting time for, for my family and for our family as The Rock. And we want to offer that time as an opportunity for us to just sit and dialogue with you guys. And while there obviously is not an opportunity for us to take every question to have a Q&A time and, uh, you know, and sit and talk, we might spend all afternoon trying to answer Q&A questions. We do want to hear from you and we do want to offer as much clarity as we can, so we want to field your questions in advance. So uh, there's an email account that we've set up, therock at trcclive.org, or you can stop by the info center and there are cards that you can put any questions of curiosity down. Why do we do this? How does this work? How do we make this decision? What does this look like? We want to try our best to answer your questions. So family meeting on February the 23rd, and if you have questions... And if they are similar to the same questions that everyone else is asking, we want to try to do our best to answer those questions. So please send us your questions. And with that, that's enough talking about me. 
I want to talk about the Word a little bit. I want to talk about where we're heading as a church, and I want to talk about, uh, it was, was too perfect. I'd say it was coincidence, but it wasn't coincidence, because I don't believe in coincidences. For about two weeks, I've been planning what I wanted to say up here in the last few minutes that I've got. 2 Timothy chapter 4 came to mind. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is the same passage that Pastor John shared with us a few minutes ago. I didn't see that video until a couple of days ago. But I've been preparing to share with you guys from 2 Timothy chapter 4 because 12 years ago when I first came into ministry, when I was first called and ordained as a pastor, Scotty Carpenter was my pastor. He was the one that ordained me at the start of my calling, at the start of my ministry. And he shared with me 2 Timothy chapter 4. He shared some of the things that a pastor should do, some of the things that a pastor was called to. There's a lot of things that are assumed of a pastor that aren't necessarily biblical. Pastors aren't perfect, though some people might think that they are. Pastors make mistakes, though some people might think that they don't make mistakes. Pastors don't have all the answers, even though sometimes you may think that pastors have all the answers. But I want to share with you some things that I will commit to as your pastor. I will commit to the fact that that my goal is to remain focused on Jesus as our true lead shepherd, as our true lead pastor. We actually had conversations about what to call me in this position because senior pastor doesn't quite seem right to me because we have a senior pastor. His name's Jesus. The true lead shepherd is not me of this church. It's the King, Jesus. He's our shepherd. He's our one that we follow. And so for me, I'm just, I'm just a guy following him. So you feel free to follow me as I follow Christ, like Paul said. But, but I don't feel like any sort of a leader. I'm just following. I commit to you as your pastor to strive to be characterized by the qualifications found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. I commit to ensuring the centrality of the gospel and of sound doctrine in everything that we do as a church. There's a lot of things that churches do, but if they don't come from this book, if they don't find their core and every bit of them in this book, in the gospel, in the good news that that we can be adopted as sons, that God has forgiven us and had mercy on us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If it's not centered in that message, it's a waste of our time, and you guys ought to boot me from this stage. That's not what we're here for. We're here for Jesus. We're here for his message. We're here to proclaim his truth. And that truth is found in these pages, not in my creativity or my stories or anything that I might come up with. It's right here. And my final commitment to you guys is that I will preach the word. Preach the word. It's the same thing that Pastor John shared with us a few minutes ago. Preach the word. Those were the words that were challenged of me 12 years ago. Those are the things that I want to be able to have said of me when I'm long gone. There are a lot of things that people may say. But number one, above all of them, I hope that people will say that I was faithful to this book. That I was faithful to, to declare boldly the things that God has declared boldly.
2 Timothy 4, chapter, verses 1 through 4. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Preach the word. Passage doesn't say preach funny stories. It doesn't say preach interesting facts. It doesn't say preach current events. It says preach the truth of this book. I may not be funny every time you come in and sit down. I may not be charismatic every time you come in where, where you get excited inside because of something that I did or because of some way that I communicated something. But I will tell you that there is always power on this stage and that there is always power in this pulpit as long as this book is sitting on it and as long as this book is being proclaimed. We will preach the word. We will preach the word line upon line, word upon word. We will not apologize for anything that it says. We will not skip over anything that it says. If the Bible sees fit to say it, we will see fit to say it. We will preach the word. Verses 3 and 4 says that there will come a time when people won't want to hear sound doctrine. People won't want to hear what the Bible really has to say. They'll want to to tickle their ears, to, to just kind of say things in a way that it makes them feel good. We don't see that anywhere in our society today, do we? Last couple of minutes that I've got, I want to introduce you guys to somebody. This is Thumper. If you guys don't know Thumper, this Thumper I've had since I was a little child. I was a little guy. I got this from my parents. <laughs> he looks like he's been around a long time. But I had this since my childhood. And 12 years ago, when I was ordained, one of the things that was special about my ordination was Scotty Carpenter, the guy that ordained me, told me to be like Thumper. He said, preach the word and be like Thumper. And so since that day, I went home and I found this in my parents' garage or wherever it was. And he's been living in my office for the last 12 years because my desire is that my ministry will be like Thumper's. If you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, We've got about two minutes worth of video I'd invite you guys to watch. Look, he's starting to talk. Bird. He's trying to say bird. Say bird.
invite the band to come up as we finish up. <clears throat> Be like Thumper. Be like Thumper was my message. Thumper did two things in that video clip. First off, he taught the truth. He taught Bambi how to speak. That's a bird. That's a flower. He also called false facts out when they were false. He said, that's not a flower. That's not a butterfly. That's not a bird. We will stand on the truth. We will teach the truth. We will call things that are not true, not true. We will call a flower a flower and we will call a skunk a skunk. Because as long as I stand up here and as long as this church exists, I believe we've been this way for 16 years and we're going to be this way for a lot more. The truth of God's word is true. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It's true. And we will stand up here and we will preach it that way and we will declare it as truth. We will preach the word. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather together here tonight and just celebrate what you are doing, what you are accomplishing. God, this is your church. This has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with anything that I may have to say. This may, has, has nothing to do with any of us. God, we are here for you. We are here to learn from you, to be soft clay that you might mold into the people that you want us to be. And God, I pray that as we come here, as we gather together, as we look at your word and offer ourselves as a, an offering of worship, God, I pray that we will call a flower a flower, that we will call a skunk a skunk, that we will hold to your truth and that no matter what the world says, God, no matter what our own wicked hearts have to say, God, that we will stand on your truth, that we will preach your word, and that we will fix our eyes on you as the author and finisher of our faith. God, we offer our lives to you. God, I offer my ministry here and this church to you. God, be pleased with our worship. We love you.